We meet today in Psalm chapters 82 to 84. Psalm 82 talks of God judging the judges of his people. Psalm 82 is a psalm that has been misunderstood by many people. Actually, a critic who denies the deity of Christ will turn to this psalm and ridicule it. This is yet another prophetic psalm that looks to the future for God's earthly people, Israel. We see in connection with this the glory of the Lord, and it is wonderful to see when these two are brought together. This gives us a prophetic description of the judgment which God will execute during the tribulation period when he serves the remnant Israel. He begins actually on that note, Psalm 82 verse 1. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. Now, observe that God stands in the congregation of the mighty. Hasn't happened yet. That event has not yet taken place. But he will stand there during the millennial kingdom. Then we are told he judges among the gods. Whom is he calling gods? Actually, verse 2 tells us, How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Sila. It is important to understand this verse of scripture. Notice who are the gods. God is calling the judges of Israel gods. And he says, Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. Psalm 82, verse 3 to verse 4. You see, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes as the judge of this earth, he is going to defend the poor, the fatherless, the afflicted, and the needy. Today, judges are standing in God's place, and they are to do the same thing. And even the scriptures refer to them as gods because they are standing in place of God. Now here is an interesting verse. Verse 5. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. Certainly, the world today is being shaken and it is in great turmoil. And one of the great problems has been the judges of the earth. It is very easy for a judge to be like Pilate, to wash his hands and say, people can do nothing that deserves death. You see, he thinks he can escape in that way. But when those who have broken the law come before them, actually the judge ought to remember that justice is blind. If a rich man has committed a crime that deserves capital punishment, it should be meted out just as it would be to a poor man who has committed the same crime. Unfortunately, sometimes in our societies, it is the poor man who will have to go to the gallows because he cannot defend himself. Judges, defend the poor, defend the needy, defend those who cannot help themselves. Unfortunately, very few rich people have to pay for their crimes, while the poor pay even for the crimes that they do not deserve. 
I said, you are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. Psalm 82 verse 6. You see, what does he mean, you are gods? The Lord Jesus Christ himself quoted this verse when the Jews questioned his deity. They accused him of blasphemy because he made himself God. In John 10 verse 33 to 37 we read, The Jews answered him saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy and because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, You are gods. If he called them gods, to whom the word of God made, and the scriptures cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming, because I said I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. You see here, Jesus was telling these Jews that they were sitting in judgment, and when one who sits in the place of judgment, he is actually taking the place of God. Many saints today are guilty of that type of thing. They sit in judgment on other saints. Paul says, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know nothing against myself. Yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 to verse 5. You see, Paul is saying that he is going to stand before God someday, and because of that, he doesn't even judge himself. My friend, when you start judging someone, you are acting for God. And you are a God when you have taken that position of judging. A man in that position ought to be a godly person. He should be a man of prayer. Now the big problem in our contemporary society is not so much with the criminal as it is actually with the judges and the breakdown of law and order. It is strange that the breakdown of law and order has begun with the law profession and not really with the criminal element. In Bible time, when you pass judgment on a person, you stand in the position of God. Parents ought to recognize that as well. What does God say to a little fellow growing up in a home? He says, little children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Colossians 3 verse 20. But wait a minute. What if his parents don't tell him to do the right things and don't bring that child up in the way that he should go? You see, there are many parents like that today. God says, I am going to hold them responsibility. They are in my place. They occupy that position because I said to that little child, to that little boy, to that little girl, Hear the instructions of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother, as quoted from Proverbs 1 verse 8. You see, God help the father or the mother who does not lead their child in a godly pathway. Someone has asked the question, what is worse than going to hell? 
Well, the answer given by a preacher was this. The worst thing is to go to hell and recognize the voice of your son and ask, Son, what are you doing there? And hear him answer, Dad or Mom, I followed you. That is the worst thing to ever hear, my friend. You see, this is a tremendous psalm. God says to the judges, Be sure you judge accurately. You are God's, and all of you are children of the Most High. Psalm 82, verse 7, But you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. You see, God reminds the judges too, who stand in the place of God, that they are still human beings, and that the day is coming when they will have to stand before God and be judged. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. Psalm 82, verse 8. You see, this will be a prayer of the nation Israel. I also believe this is a prayer of all of us. We can pray it in this our time, the time that we live. Psalm 83 is an important psalm again. It is a cry for judgment. This is a song or a psalm of Asaph. This is the last psalm of Asaph series, actually, and a rather puzzling one. The fact of the matter is that you cannot fit it into the history of the nation of Israel. Since you cannot, the idea is to guess at it, and there have been some wild guesses coming from people. However, we read and sense that this psalm is an imprecatory prayer, a cry for justice. The psalmist prays for God to deliver his people from their enemies. Psalm 83 verse 1 and verse 2 says, Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace, and do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult, and those who hurt you have lifted up their head. Now you see, whoever the enemy is here, that enemy hurts God. That enemy does not like God. But isn't that Always the case with the enemy, that is, the devil. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, Come, let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. Psalm 83, verse 3 to verse 4. You see, now specifically this refers to those who have plotted the destruction of the nation Israel. The important thing for us to note is that the enemy of God expresses their hate towards him. They express their revulsion of God towards him. Now we begin with the section of this psalm that is very difficult to fit into history. Psalm 83 verse 5 to verse 8 says, For they have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you, the tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and Hagrites, Gebal, Ammon and Amalek, Philistia with the inhabitants of Tyre, Assyria also has joined with them. They have helped the children of Lot, Selah. You see, the names in this portion of the word of God are God's enemies. 
There is no place in history where they seem to fit in. And that makes it very remarkable, actually, because it appears that these verses look to the future. Apparently, these nations, which were in existence at one time, will appear again in future. At the present time, Israel is simply surrounded by Arab nations who are apparently joined together. They are opposed to the nation Israel. It looks as though the nations mentioned in these verses will come back into existence during the last days. They are not in existence now, and there is nothing to which they correspond. This fact makes Psalm 83 a very remarkable passage of scripture. The remainder of this psalm is actually an imprecatory prayer. It asks for God's judgment. It is retrospective in the sense that the psalmist is saying, judge as you have done in the past. Listen to it. Deal with them as with Midian, as with Sisera, as with Jabin at the brook Kishon, who perished at Endo, who became as refuse of the earth. Psalm 83, verse 9 to verse 10. My friend, in the book of Judges, we read how God judged those nations. There are those who say that God will not judge that way in the future. He won't. He has judged that way in the past. God has not changed. What he has done in the past, he will also do in the future. For that reason, this is impressive. Let me remind you that this is not the way we are as believers to do today. We should not pray an imprecatory prayer. We should pray for our enemies. Not that God would punish them, but that they might be converted, that they might turn to God and leave vengeance up to the Lord. For he says, vengeance is mine. This is a prayer for Israel to pray. Listen to it. Oh my God, make them like the willing dust, like the chaff before the wind. Psalm 83 verse 13. Do you remember reading about the great big wheel that the oxen used to pull around to beat out the grain and crush the stubble? The psalmist is saying, deal with your enemies that way, O Lord. As the fire burns the woods and as the flames set the mountains on fire. Psalm 83 verse 14. In other words, <laughs> Be like a forest fire upon those enemies. And I would like to insist, this prayer would only fit for Israel, not for the believer today. Now note the conclusion of it. That they may know that you, whose name alone is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. Psalm 83 verse 18. My friend, I'm convinced that the only way this world is going to know that God is God is for him to move in judgment. The goodness of God ought to lead men and women to repentance, but it doesn't. If men were at all sensitive to the presence and person of God, it would lead them to his presence, but it actually drives them further and further away. I move on to Psalm 84, which is also a deep desire for God's house. This psalm, in which the Levitical emphasis is actually prominent, it is a psalm for the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah served in the tabernacle and later in the temple. 
Now let's go back to First Chronicles 26 to see the background of this family. First Chronicles 26 verse 1. Concerning the divisions of the gatekeepers of the Korahites, Meshelemiah the son of Korah, of the sons of Asaph. You see, then it gives actually a long list of that family of the Kohites. Now Korah, you may recall, led the rebellion against Moses and he was judged for it. But now, by the grace of God, these descendants of his are actually serving in the tabernacle and in the temple of God. That is the grace of God. Then First Chronicles 26 verse 12 to 13 says, among these were the divisions of the gatekeepers, among the chief men, having duties just like their brethren, to serve in the house of the Lord. And they cast lots for each gate, the small as well as the great, according to their father's house. You see, a man was assigned to every gate. Lots were cast for the jobs. Strong, robust Levites guarded Strong, robust Levites actually guarded the tabernacle and later they watched over every entrance of the temple. So the tabernacle and the temple are prominent in this psalm, emphasizing the Levitical sense of this section. So we read from Psalm 84, verse 1 and verse 2. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, even faints for the cause of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Oh, my friend, is this your heart cry today? Do you love to meet with God's people? I recognize that you don't get much fellowship in some churches today. In fact, you get more gossip and criticism than you get anything else. However, the place for fellowship is the church, and there are wonderful churches throughout our land. Please find one in your neighborhood where the word of God is preached and Christ Jesus is exalted. If there is, that is where you should seek the fellowship of believers. This is where you will grow and you will be blessed. This man was excited. He is crying, wanting to be in the house of the Lord, befitting even that old cry. I was glad when they said to me, come, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now, this is lovely. These sons of Korah serving in the tabernacle and later in the temple saw this. Listen to them. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young even your altars O lord of hosts my king and my god psalm 84 verse 3 now i think the sparrow builds nest around the temple the man who wrote this psalm as he looked up and saw them he said i want to dwell like that i want to live that close to god the lord jesus said to consider the little sparrows. They are not worthy anything, actually. In fact, you would like to get rid of them, the way they chatter around and the mess that they make everywhere. They are dirty little birds, the Lord Jesus said. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? Matthew 10, verse 29. 
You see, not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. Actually, the language is stronger than that. He says that the sparrow falls into the lap of your father. He knows all about it. And the psalmist said, I just long to live in the sanctuary of the Lord, in the tabernacle of the Lord, like the sparrow, so close. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. Psalm 84 verse 9. You see, the psalmist can say, O God, behold our shield. God is our shield, my friend. And look upon the face of your anointed. Again, this is a reference to the Messiah, the Christ, revealed the face of God on the earth. So the face of God on the earth is Christ the Messiah. The sanctuary, as we saw in the book of Leviticus, was the very center of the life of Israel. There was a day when the church was the center of the social life. Well, in many African countries, the cathedral was the tallest building in many cities. In my own country, the tallest building today is the central bank. The church is not even the center of religious life today, but it should be, my friend. Psalm 84, verse 10. For a day in your course is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tent of wickedness. This is amazing, my friend. He says, for a day in your course is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. And that's what the sons of Korah were. They were doorkeepers. He says, I would rather have my job than be a rich man living far away from God. Some people would prefer to be rich people, yet living far away from God, not with the sons of Korah. These are some of the folk who look at their watches, the people who would rather keep their job while being far away from God, are people who would even look at their watches on Sunday, even to see if the preacher is going over time. <laughs> but the psalmist said, I would rather spend one day in God's house than a thousand elsewhere. What a glorious psalm this is, and what a rebuke it is to many of us. How much time do we spend in the house of God? Some have literally spent simply 30 minutes in the house of God. And when you calculate all of that, it actually translates to one day in the whole year. Are you being a steward, a good steward of God's time? And are you giving him more time? May God help us to spend time in the house of the Lord. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two six four one four four seven five. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code two seven followed by 7264144475 from within south africa it's 0726414475